Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. Hopes for the new year actually begin with the NFL draft of college players. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. You are here listening to our NFL Draft betting update. We are two weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Our usual crew, Brendan Glasheen, your host, with Luke Swain, Travis Reed, our guests and analysts. We join you every week, midweek, leading up to NFL Draft Day. Round one starts a week, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, April 27th. We've also got some uh, new fun nuggets we're going to introduce to the program. If you've been joining us since the beginning for these draft betting updates, our director of research, Evan Abrams, throughout the course of today's podcast. We're also joined today by a very special guest, James Weaver, who joins us from the well-respected sports data and analytics company, Sports Info Solutions. James, thanks for stopping by the podcast. Interested to get another voice on here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're all about? Yeah, for sure, Brendan. Thanks for having me on today. I've also put in a lot of time and effort into our SIS NFL draft site. That'll be a lot of the talking points today. So get that a look out. All right. I've got the Sports Info Solutions big board up. We'll, we'll get to that because I think Luke and Travis have thoughts. But as we normally do when we introduce the program, the biggest storyline, Luke Swain, is the line movement on the number one pick in the draft. Bryce Young is now minus 300 at FanDuel to be the number one pick in the draft. CJ Stroud has slipped to plus 220. Your thoughts? I mean, everything you're hearing is it is Bryce and there's nothing confirmed. And it's starting to feel somewhat of a, a narrative that is getting recycled by different outlets um, that are picking up picking it up as their own and putting it out there where uh, we've been harping Stroud, which Stroud at 650. It shows you how sensitive this market is because you can get Stroud at plus 650. The trade happens, it goes to minus 200 and you feel really good about your bet and you're almost counting your money. And then all of a sudden, a couple of rumors start to leak and all of a sudden (laughs) that, uh, that winner that you once thought not too long ago is starting to lose a lot of faith. Uh, But there are a lot of like we, we truly just don't know. Uh, like if I'm making a mock draft right now, I am putting Bryce at number one. Uh, but at the same time, Stroud still has his meeting at Carolina next week, week which I to me definitely does matter uh, because from what you're hearing is Bryce's meetings with the Panthers are what have kind of shifted this. Uh, the odds where Tepper, you hear Tepper loves Bryce and Reich, quote unquote, likes Stroud. So the juicy rumors is what's going on with the number two pick at this time, assuming Bryce goes number one. Travis, since we last met, this has completely flipped. Stroud is now the second favorite to go number one. Bryce Young is the favorite. Your reaction to this flip since we last spoke? Yeah, it was kind of a, a nuts scenario there where Chris Mortensen had the report where, oh, it's definitely going to be Bryce. And then he walked that back saying, oh, that was just for a TV show. That wasn't an actual mm. report. And now we're kind of going back. Well, now they are him and Schefter both do think it's going to be Bryce Young. 
Um, I'm with Luke. I think this is still kind of a toss up. I think while this news was coming out, if you could still get Bryce at plus money, go for it. But if you ask me to make a bet right now, I'll take Stroud at plus money. But if you make me mock it, I'm still going to take Bryce. But it's kind of one of those things. I'll take either one of these guys at plus money. I still think this is close to a toss up uh, and nobody really knows. I would not be surprised if Carolina themselves is torn and some members of the decision team want to take Bryce Young. Someone takes Stroud and they really won't make that decision uh, until a couple of weeks. And and the one thing I do want to harp is like the argument for making it better than the number one pick right now is basically the same exact argument argument that we've been saying where Bryce is minus 300. He should not be minus 300. I would not lay Bryce at minus 300. Like that is just that's just wrong where it's the same thing where when Stroud is minus 300, he should never have been minus 300. Um, and I, I do think if you if you still do believe Stroud is the number one pick, mm-hmm. uh, the valuable bet isn't actually taking Stroud at plus two twenty. It's taking Bryce at like plus three twenty to go number two because if Stroud goes one, Bryce might, might as well be minus infinity to go number two, uh, which you're you're getting plus three twenty compared to plus two twenty for basically the same bet. So are you in a, a hedging situation yet, Luke, or is is that too early to uh, determine? Um, no. And, uh, I mean, I did, I did hedge some liability that I had on Stroud, but that's the beauty yep. of getting into this market as early as we have, um, January, February, where it's a lot easier to hedge out of a Stroud plus 650 ticket than it is a Stroud minus 200 or whatever it was. Um, so I'm still hopeful, but yeah, like, I said, and Travis said, I would put Bryce at number one in terms of if I was making a mock. James Weaver, you were shaking your head at Luke's thoughts on the the market change to this. What are your thoughts from a a sports info solutions perspective? Definitely still a toss up. The plus 220 on Stroud, I I would say at this point, if you don't have anything, it would be a valuable play. From a SIS perspective, we have them tied um, in or from their last year of production. They were tied in their total points rating per play. And our total points metric is like kind of an all-encompassing metric um, based on an EPA framework that assigns quantitative value to a player. Bryce, and then Bryce kind of takes a little bit of the cake in terms of some of our other leaderboards, but Stroud was right there at second. Young is first in our SIS independent quarterback rating. Um, Stroud was second. Bryce had higher IQR under pressure and Stroud was third. Um, In terms of some accuracy rankings, um, Young ranks higher in both catchable ball percentage and in on-target percentage. Um, Stroud was a little bit further down the list, but in terms of production on it, yards per play or adjusted net yards per play. Um, Stroud was actually first and, and Young was fourth. So th- these two are just neck and neck. I, I would agree with the sentiment of Bryce would probably be number one on my mock draft or be the number one favorite. Um, but it, it turned at these prices, nothing set. Like Luke had mentioned, Stroud hasn't even met with the Panthers yet. Um, and that's certainly going to, you know, that could easily sway one, things one way in the market or not. So we've got the betting market perspective and then you've got to react. And, and this, of course, the movement can reflect news. Other times it doesn't, but there is news on Stroud. Lance Zerline, who we've referenced often on our podcast, Zerline from NFL.com. Luke, I think you you said that mock that he put out last week, a week ago now, was a, was a, was a drunk mock where uh, C.J. Stroud could be selected by the Ravens if they move up. Then there's a report that C.J. Stroud, this is Ian Rappaport, Stroud's going to meet with the Raiders, which last I thought when we first started doing this, the Raiders weren't interested anymore in moving up to go maybe get a Will Levis. Now they're connected to Stroud. They're going to meet with him. So as far as just the the news coming from reputable draft people, and then you've got your Shefters and your Rappaports, uh, ESPN, NFL Network, respectively, what do we make of just the news as of now? So, so Zerline, uh, he prefaced his mock two days prior to putting it out that it was going to be crazy. Um, and it was going to cause chaos. Um, yeah, trunk. And when you read it, like that is your first inclination. And uh, he is the person that we want to dial into when it comes to the Texans. Uh, he is history. He is he's connected. He mocks the Texans picks every single year. Very accurately. Got them both last year. Um, and when you're reading it, you think it's crazy. And then as we've progressed day by day since last week, it has become less and less crazy um, where at number two for the Texans, he had Tyree, which you see reports yesterday coming out that the Texans might pass on a quarterback because they like a guy like Tyree or Anderson. Um, and then you see more reports that they have 
Levis above Stroud on their board. Um, and then you look back at his mock and he has Levis at number seven to the Texans trading up. So like at first glance, you're like, what the heck? And then as you see these reports coming out, it's like, holy shit. Like, was that like whole chaos preface that he said just to cover up to like him actually knowing maybe, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, there are reports. Like I think the strongest ones right now that are really creating a ripple effect to the market are the Texans passing on Stroud for maybe Levis. Uh, which I'd love to get James's thoughts on like the S2 test in terms of, uh, I think you said, I think you just preface about like having a t- intelligence score, um, which I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then really if they go like Tyree or Anderson um, at two and something came out this morning about from, I think it was pro football talk that they aren't going to trade the number two pick and they are going to take a quarterback second. Um, but the context behind it very much had Levis vibes where like, Demeco mm-hmm. was saying that it's okay if he wasn't good in like in college um, and he doesn't have to start day one, which it, it very much had Levis vibes and subtly Richardson, but everything you're hearing backs up Levis. Yeah. To kind of add on to that, Luke, um, in terms of the S2 test, uh, that's certainly a newer quarterback intelligence test um, that has been servicing around. Um, for what I've seen, Bryce Young did score first in that test, and Levis did ha- score high as well. Um, and that kind of just, you know, kind of breaks down your decision making and your just overall in- intelligence um, from processing information. And, and that kind of um, is reflected in his snap to throw time plus or minus percentage that we track as well at SIS. Um, and he was second among all pros- among quarterback prospects there. So having that in his accuracy isn't, you know, you hear about the knock on his accuracy. He's still mid-tier, about fifth or uh, tied for sixth in these prospects here uh, and on target percentage and catchable percentage, which isn't terrible. Um, it's not as bad as Anthony Richardson, which we'll talk later. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly a case. Levis could sneak in there at three. Um, you hear about Kentucky struggles on the offensive line from what they had, um, their weapons as well, and, and their offensive philosophy with their offensive coordinator that left. So there was a lot of transition and a lot of um, – uh, overlying factors that Levis had to deal with at Kentucky in his final year. So, um, yeah, traits are there. Some of the skills are there. So it wouldn't shock me to see him go up to three as well. And, and Zerline does a great job and like hats off to him because like he is one of the few in terms of like in the media um, to his stature that does this, but he replies to a ton of tweets. Like people ask him straight up about his opinion and uh, like, the replies don't show up on your timeline. So, so make sure you go to his profile and click into replies because he re- responds to a ton of tweets and there are a ton of great nuggets. And I want to say one of them yesterday, he was harping. He basically said he didn't have any info, but he knows that the Texans value the S2 test a lot, uh, which Levis scored, I think, second behind Bryce in terms of like his S2 test, which would very much align as to why he had like the Texans might have Levis ahead of Stroud. Mm-hmm. One of his replies today, he he mentions he he kind of buries the lead, but he said in my mock he's referring to the mock where Stroud is being taken by Baltimore if they move up. But what I said in my mock says their line is being said by two or other three national people now. So exactly, is yeah his words getting out there. By the way, your the the report you referenced from Pro Football Talk, talk Miles Simmons. He buries the lead to talk about Case Keenum being coach on the field. But the first sentence, Texans are expected to use their number two overall pick in this year's draft on a quarterback. That wasn't the headline, though. The headline was Case Keenum coach on the field. <laughs> yeah, it was very, you know, I had a picture of Case Keenum, too. And yeah, yeah. Jeez. Very like Case Keenum, Keenum is not clickbait to me. Like, I'm not like clicking on yeah. article because I'm seeing Case Keenum. Glad I did, but. Well, and, and Keenum's actually fair to bring up because he was brought in to the Rams when they took Jared Goff first. So it's kind of a similar, they're connecting the dots as to as bringing in a young quarterback, rookie quarterback, have Case Keenum, I guess, is that whisperer they want. But again, you're right. Not clickbait, but you got to sift through and find it. Yeah. Tra- Travis Reed, as, as it pertains, and we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll dabble back in quarterback talk, and it, it's all a domino effect in terms of how it affects the betting market. But uh, just from a news perspective, when we read, when you look at mocks and news, so Rappaport, this, the meeting yesterday with Stroud and the Raiders was yesterday, and then the idea of um, Levis being considered higher, just from a news standpoint in the last seven days, where are you at? Well, I think one of the, this is kind of a tertiary thing that 
blends in was Odell signing with the Ravens yeah. and then him and Lamar kind of partying together via friends, which kind of implies that Lamar maybe is going back there, even though there's been nothing on the contract side that said that's, that's the direction it's heading. But that does, like we mentioned, you know, Baltimore trading up for one of these quarterbacks, obviously Lamar going back would total, there's no reason to do that anymore. So I think that does take away one of the trade partner options. So that's one of the things in the news I think does make an impact. But again, that's all just hearsay. That's all just Instagram uh, back and forth in between those two. But I think that is going to play into it, whether or not Baltimore does get Lamar. Does somebody else get Lamar? That's still, I mean, that's still a question mark that we're waiting that will eliminate one of these teams from the top four quarterbacks. Speaking of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, here are a couple notes from these two from Evan Abrams, Actions Director of Research. Folks, when QBs go one and two in the NFL draft, beware, because one of them is doomed. Since the 1970 NFL merger, QBs have gone one, two in the draft eight times. Of the 16 total quarterbacks, half were flops. Only once have both met expectations, and it was 50 years ago. When Jim Plunkett and Archie Manning went 1-2 in 1971, here are the rest. 1993, Drew Bledsoe, Meyer, loser. 98, Peyton Manning, and then Ryan Leaf. 99, Couch, eh. but Donovan McNabb was also in that draft. 2012, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, a winner and then a broken man. 2015, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, no, no, no. 2016, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, kind of a half loss and a loss. And then in 2021, Trevor Lawrence, great, Zach Wilson. Okay, then. So CJ Stroud and Bryce Young both land top two. Chances are one of them will flop. I think it kind of just speaks to how valuable the quarterback position is in the league that teams are going to take players that might not be worthy of a number two pick a lot higher than they should be um, out of anything. Um, like it, it is, this is, it's very much each draft is unique to its own. And I don't think I could, I would, yeah, I would never bet off trends. Um, like the whole, like I would love a will, will four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four prop yes or no available. Um, Cause it's never happened, um, which it never happening does not influence me whatsoever on whether it will happen. I got two more nuggets from our friend Evan Abrams, and then I want to find out what we're going to bet today. Only one player was invited to the 1974 NFL Draft, and you probably never heard of him. The 1974 Draft started on a Tuesday morning with few spectators. And by all accounts, only one player, Ohio State's John Hicks, in attendance. It was John Hicks, RIP, the only offensive lineman to ever finish runner-up for the Heisman. And he was a bust. Since the 1970 NFL merger, he's one of only five Ohio State offensive players to go top five in the NFL draft. Here are the other four. 1978, Chris Ward, bust. 1982, Art Schleister, bust. 1997, Orlando Pace, arguably the best tackle in NFL history. Check. In 2016, Zeke Elliott, who enjoyed four good seasons, then got fat, but could still jump in the Salvation Army belt. Good for him. So if C.J. Stroud goes top five, history is not on his side. So maybe he should slip to seven to Vegas. I'd still prefer money-wise if he goes number one. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> well, pray for C.J. Stroud, Luke, and Travis are just... And, and while we've been on the air, Levis number two odds have gotten smoked. <laughs> um, 11 to yeah. one now. Yeah, and he was 25 to one. Again, we don't... This is a highly sensitive market. Like, a couple of people could have come in and bet... on Levis, 25 to one, um, and they would have moved it. James, this might be a good question for you because once we get the results and say it is Stroud Young or Young Stroud, how do you crunch the numbers at Sports Info Solutions? How does this, how could you foresee this playing out? Does this kind of data factor in at all based on historical context? I think you look back at some of those pairings that you read, and I'm thinking of Andrew Luck, who was the generational number one was supposed to go ahead of RG3 at all times. Trevor Lawrence was definitely supposed to go number one um, ahead of Zach Wilson and that group of quarterbacks there. 
uh, and then I guess who wasn't a, pa- a pairing, but another generational quarterback in Joe Burrow, who was the clear cut number one quarterback that year. Um, it, it feels like if there's not a generational consensus, top one overall quarterback, and there's guys, you know, you have these classes of quarterbacks at four or five deep sometimes mm-hmm. there's, if there's ever toss up, it, it seems like almost the best play is the quarterback that ends up almost towards the bottom of that list. Um, you know, Josh Allen ended up being the best. Well, him or Lamar Jackson, uh, I guess it's Lamar Jackson. You go at the bottom of the first round that year in 2018, right? Uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Well, sorry, that was the Trevor Lawrence draft, but, um, yeah, th- those guys point. might end up better than Zach Wilson. So that's a great point. And uh, definitely like the, the expectation of a quarterback going in the late first almost feels like getting a quarterback in the late first is like a bargain with like the fifth year option where, they aren't going to be held to the same expectations as someone going number one will ever be that they might slip under the radar. But yeah, I totally agree with James. And you're also going to a better team. Like the yeah, first overall pick facts. is because you're terrible. <laughs> so facts. if you get a guy at the end of the first round, you usually have a playoff team anyway, and you're just plugging in that quarterback and you're not there to save the franchise. You're just kind of the new plug and play guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll stay quarterback here. We want to, I, Luke, I want to get your reaction to, the market movement on Anthony Richardson. And this has moved even more since uh, I saw you put this out the other day, Anthony Richardson draft position under four and a half. So pick under pick four and a half. He's moved from minus two fifty, and it's now in that one sixty range. You saw it go as low as minus one thirty five. Where are we at with Anthony Richardson from a betting perspective? Yeah. So this is one, like, this is a great example that you don't want to buy into the movement too much with it being such a sensitive market. Uh, But from my hypothesis of this really had to do with like the Bryce going number one rumor started to come out over the weekend. Um, I actually, I I thought I'm surprised it took until Monday for it to get steamed, but in the under, I think it was, it was two fifty, and then it came all the way down to one thirty at one point. It's started creeping back up, but to me, it kind of has something to do with if Bryce goes one, and it is true about the Texans passing on Stroud, the Cardinals might have an inkling to that where holding out for the trade makes a lot more sense if CJ Stroud is there because the value of the number one three number three pick is exp- exponentially higher with CJ Stroud on the board compared to the implied value right now with Levis and Richardson, um, which if Stroud doesn't go two and he goes three, it kind of pushes everyone back to the Richardson over where there are rumors that the Colts love Levis too, where they might even take him over Richardson. Um, so it, it definitely like you go from two outs where Richardson can go three or four to one with the uncertainty of if the Colts like Richardson or Levis more, uh, which I think had to do with the overtaking action. Um, it is starting to come back up. I, I think when it got to like the minus 130 range, like that was like clear value. Cause on my sheet out of the 40 mocks I track that I respect the under hits at about like an 85% threshold and the last seven, it's been hitting at 90. Um, I don't have interest in it cause there's too many variables that can really screw it up and, you have a really tight window that more chaos with only four picks to hit uh, makes it a lot less interesting to me, Um, but I don't want to buy too much into it yet um, because the Cardinals trading is like the domino that affects everything. Yeah. So that that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that connects to the market as of now looking at FanDuel, Anthony Richardson to go number three overall at plus 100. And that reflects Adam Schefter's report on Monday, Adam Schefter, ESPN, at least six teams, which I did do six divided by 32 on my phone to get the exact percentage. That's about 19% of the league have asked the Arizona Cardinals about a trade up to three. See, that's the math I bring to the show. These guys crunch other shit. Uh, Arizona is still mulling over it. Those uh, six teams, six out of 32 interested in moving up. Well, six out of 31. Don't count the Cardinals. I want to go to James Weaver on this, though. And we're going to get to your other... Yeah, we've got other thoughts, but I want we'll stay quarterback just to stay on point with the, the this position because it's popular. And the, 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 look, the first thing that pops up when you want to go bet on the draft is quarterback and the quarterback names pop up when it comes to overall picks. Anthony Richardson, Sports Info Solutions, number 32 ranked prospect. 
32. I had to hit read more to scroll down and find this guy where you had him. He might go number three in the draft. So I would imagine Sports Info Solutions is like, eh, it's not a great idea. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I no, I certainly agree. Um, he's an athletic freak, obviously, from his production in Florida, from his way he can run the football. He sets combine records. Um, you look at pure accuracy metrics, dead last of all quarterback prospects in this draft in catchable throw percentage and dead last in on target percentage. So by far the quarterback that struggles with accuracy the most. Now some might say and point to, Oh, Josh Allen, we can fix up his accuracy. But again, that took him three years with arguably with at the end of the, uh, at the end of his case, Brian Dayball, who turns out to be one of the best offensive minds in football. Um, So if, Based on sample size, we're looking at one guy that you can change and correct his accuracy over a history of everyone saying that, oh, can't really fix that. That's really not something that can be fixed. Then where do you go from there? And like I think the, like the, that ranking on Richardson is very much intuitive of what he has thought of, where you're not drafting him because he's a 35th ranked player. You're drafting him because he's there and you think he has the potential to be the number one. Like he's clearly not a top 10 player in this class based off of mm-hmm. who he's been uh, you're drafting him for the ceiling that is number one ranking three or four years from now yeah absolutely and, and a lot of our you know a lot of our scouts and, and, and the director of our scout even said like those rankings are based on the total package of what a prospect is going into the draft so if a player is more complete he's going to have a higher grade from us and a higher uh, sky report from us than what some of these other prospects, i.e. like Richardson would be. And like, what does, how much does like conference they played, played in or like strength of opponent, opponent factor and where like Richardson played in the SEC and, or like Tucker Craft, that's one we're going to harp on. Like he's high on your board where, like how much does like the conference and strength of opponents factor into those ratings? Yeah. So those ratings specifically um, with the big board factor in a lot of our metrics as well. Um, so, um, not too many of those, um, only a few of them are, uh, opponent dependent, depending on some of the more advanced stuff. Um, but a lot of the grades come from our scouts who look into more of the X and O's and more of their technique and things of that nature. Um, so that's where a lot of those come from as well. The, uh, and looking at team to draft player, Anthony Richardson at FanDuel Colts, the favorite at plus 175 Tennessee, which if you missed that last episode, go check that out. Titans possibly moving up. We did a whole 10 minutes on it. Tennessee at plus 200, Vegas plus 550. There's Seattle at 12 to one, Baltimore, Detroit, and so on. Um, and like, honestly, out of those, like a lot of those odds have trades implement, like, well, that's, I'm, well, that's what I'm asking. Right. Would those six, would those six I just rattled off, would that reflect? No. Like, I think okay. in some of them could. If you were. Like, I think out of all of those, probably the best quote-unquote value is probably Seattle. I would agree. Like, by, like I think Seattle should have better odds than the Raiders. They should have better odds than, I think you said. Like, um, I think they, Seattle should be top three in terms Indy, of Indy, Tennessee, Vegas, Seattle. That's the order. Like, they should have better odds in Tennessee. Okay. Because, like, Tennessee, you need to trade. Like, I think, like, the... Rumors like the rumors of Tennessee and Seattle, like there's nothing more like there's nothing stronger between the two where like everything I've heard about Seattle is it's Anderson or Richardson uh, or Tyree. And then Tennessee, it's they're interested, quote unquote, in a quarterback and trading up, which trading up from 11. Like it's like Tennessee's odds are very reflective of just a bunch of people betting into it. Right. But as we discussed. As we discussed, we learned last year, about a, about 13 months ago now, we learned what it required for San Francisco to move up to go get Trey Lance and yep. the capital that was required. Possible. Travis, am I missing? Now I'm pointing out Richardson because of, uh, the, the odds reflect that he would be the, the favorite to go third based on what FanDuel currently presents in the market. From an Arizona trading uh, the third pick perspective, and you can weave in Richardson here. What is your latest developing thought on the Cardinals? Of course, as Luke said a lot, 
a lot of what we're going to find out on draft night relies on what they do with this. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it depends on what those first two picks are too. Um, Cause we mentioned if Houston does pass on a quarterback at two, their pick at three becomes much more valuable than if it goes quarterback, quarterback one, two. So I think they're going to wait. I think this might be a question that we don't get answered until, you know, the night before the draft or even the draft itself. Um, because I think there's so many question marks at what's going to be available at three is one of those top two quarterbacks going to be there. Uh, will they not be? So if you don't know if you're trading up to get a Bryce young or trading up to get a Levis, um, then I think there's, if they have, if teams have those guys way different on their board, they're not going to make the same offer to get up to three if they don't know their guy's going to be there or not. So I think it's, it's the domino, but I think it's going to be standing for a while. There's yeah, so there's the reporting, the latest there. We got the Cardinals, we've got the uh camp reports. I know Jalen Carter's going to visit, uh, going on another visit today. We'll get to him in a bit when we go to uh James Weaver from Sports Info Solutions Big Board. Luke kind of teased it. We got questions, so we'll get to that about the his big board and how it reflects the betting market. Last piece of news. We'll go to Luke on this. Uh Detroit, which was bolstering its secondary, and it has. But they make a move. They trade cornerback Jeff Okuda to the Atlanta Falcons. What does that do to your thought process on what the Lions might do with their draft pick right now sitting at six? Yeah, so that trade happened yesterday. And Schefter tweeted out, which was after – I don't know what was up with him. He was, like, retweeting a ton of stuff yesterday where I almost even put him on mute, and thankfully I didn't. Um, you don't, you don't want he, his uh, his sports Emmys updates? Yeah, that was crazy. The whole Emmys thing. Like, relax. He's just Jeffy. supporting his coworkers. Like, if, if you put out plays and you hit them, maybe I'll start just retweeting them just to bug you. Yeah, but, dude, I would I support you. Um, Thank you. But it happens, and I immediately, without even thinking twice, went and bet Lions to take a co- corner first position and Falcons to take a defensive line. Like, I didn't even think. I just went and it ballooned up as you would expect it to. I think it's in like, it was plus, I think it was plus money for both of them. And now it's minus 250, which I think. So I'll give it to you right now. Atlanta Falcons. Go ahead. Atlanta Falcons, first drafted player, defensive lineman, minus 250. And the Detroit Lions, first player drafted, cornerback, minus 270. Yeah, I, neither of them should be that high at this point. It's just uh, there was a rush of betting into that market, and it reflects it where Falcons-wise, corner was like both of these teams, it was corner, D-line were the two positions that were favored, um, where this trade definitely, I don't want to say eliminates, but creates a lot more momentum for the other, where Falcons were a corner, D-line, and now D-line should probably be the favorite, which I de- it's definitely based off of, Tyree falling to them, or maybe them taking a guy like Lucas Van Ness is a very hot guy that you're hearing that are involved with the Falcons and I'm also seeing Nolan. Um, but to me, this also increases the chances of like the Bijan vibes where I have seen a lot of people that I respect landing Bijan at eight to the Falcons, uh, which definitely increases the possibility. And then with the Lions, you have Witherspoon somewhat becoming very likely. Uh, where I think the number six pick, he's like definitely the favorite. Witherspoon is pretty much leapfrogged Gonzalez as the favorite to be the first corner. But the other, like, I want to say the outlying ripple effect to this is Jalen Carter, where it seems like he's visiting, visiting with the Raiders today. Yeah, where it seems like he has a narrative for every pick at this point. Like, if you just, if we're just eliminating picks one through four. Uh, these were the landing spots where it's over under seven and a half in Seattle from experts like Rob Statton, no shot. And then you have the lions who just traded their corners. So they're probably going to be leaning um, corner in the draft. So Jalen's out there. And then you have the Raiders who there were reports that I don't totally buy that they took him off their board. Um, I don't know why you would bring someone in if they're completely off your board, like Jalen Carter's in uh, Las Vegas right now. Um, but the spots for Jalen to land based off of the narratives that we had are getting smaller and smaller. And that's where the trend of Jalen falling to the Eagles or the bears is taking money. Um, 
it is there's too much uncertainty behind Jalen for me to get involved, like where the Cardinals could trade back into a like from seven to eleven, let's just say. And a couple months ago, Jalen was the chalk to the Cardinals. Um, and the Raiders are a trendy pick for the Raiders, the Cardinals could trade, which would make the under. There's just so many scenarios where who knows the Eagles could leapfrog the Bears because they want Jalen. Um, but that trade kind of pushes Jalen back, but also creates a certainty on the two positions where Witherspoon is going to be the Lions in every single mock that you read. And then it's probably going to be either Tyree, Van Ness, or Bijan to the Falcons at eight in terms of the mocks that you're reading. First cornerback drafted market, Devin Witherspoon. We reacted live to his combine on the last pod. And he he ran well. Luke was excited about that for him and what it could mean in terms of going to bet it. He's at minus 175. James, I'll go back to you again. James Weaver, Sports Info Solutions. He's joining us. His big board is at nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. On your big board, ranked number seven overall, Devin Witherspoon, the top-ranked corner. Christian Gonzalez right behind. We'll use this as a jumping-off point to dive into the big board. Luke and Travis have questions comments and concerns um we'll weave all those in but we'll just use this as okay okay, there you go so concerns is the is the highlight of of the of the three uh but but just talking corner here and reaction to this deal and look as i said the lions did make some moves they added cam sutton emmanuel mosley they get cj gardner johnson in their back end as well uh from a just from a betting perspective if you see witherspoon at minus 175 I, i would imagine that would correlate well with your number seven ranking overall. Yeah, uh, I we have Witherspoon as the best corner in this draft. Um, he's really good in press man coverage skills, good ball skills, and he plays physical to the line of scrimmage. Um, he's top two in every metric on our leaderboard, whether it be yards per target allowed, um, things like that nature. Um, one thing he can improve on a little bit is in uh, open field tackling. Um, sometimes you got defenders that break off of his tackling skills, but yeah, overall, the, the Witherspoon Gonzalez um, one two is pretty consensus, and it's what we got at uh, SIS as well. He's just so aggressive. I feel like his like over aggressiveness is somewhat of the fault to his lack of tackling um, efficiency. And Witherspoon, I, I would say, is a this is an overarching question for your your big board and your and your rankings over at SIS. But this would be an example of a player not being overranked when you make a comparison to a media ranking to a Zerline or to uh, just using him as an example. No. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. There's definitely some guys up there that, you know, that correlate correlate in line to what the mock drafts are. Um, and, and like I said, prior, uh, it's just based on kind of a lot of that complete aspect of what a prospect looks like rather than what, what could be down the road um, that it, what happens it, to see what happens in our big board uh, rankings. Okay. And when, when you're going, so like with a big board, so like how much would you say, cause I know you said that you have scouts that are putting grades on them. Like how much is it, like how much does this big board, like opinion versus just like straight math? Uh, yeah, I, I would probably say it's, it's about 60, 40 in terms of the grading from the scouts. Um, and then the math and metrics and everything back that up with the 40%. Um, cool. Our scouts do a really good job of breaking down film and, and really looking into these players and diving into what their positives and negatives are, uh, pros and cons, um, what they're solid at, what, what they can improve upon, um, and a lot of their back end stuff as well. Um, so they do a good job with doing a lot of that grading itself. And then, yeah, we have our on our site as well, we have our leaderboard um, metrics with a whole host of different metrics from what in. Uh, comparing to other players at the certain position, um, what they had done in their final year of collegiate ball. Um, so, yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any guys that you have like planted your flag on uh, that you just love, no matter where they are ranked? Like for me, like I love Emmanuel Forbes. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's my personal opinion. Um, do you have any like plant your flag guys that you think you might be higher on than everyone else that is like a sleeper that is going to be great in your opinion? I necessarily don't have to plant my flag guy. A guy that kind of interests me, though, a little bit further down the board is Brian Brzee from Clemson. Um, He was a physical freak. 
um, coming into Clemson and had a really good productive freshman year. Um, and then kind of some injuries in 2021 and then had some more injuries in 2022 with along with some personal issues um, kind of derailed his last two seasons. But even then he's got the physical tools to be a really solid defensive lineman in this league. Um, and I'm interested to see if he can pull it all together, if he can get to the right fit, um, seeing him in like kind of the second to third round tier. Um, and if a team can get him back there and kind of develop what he has, I think that'd be a, a really solid get for them. Yeah. He was, uh, the athletic does like a freak piece before every college football season. Like the great, the biggest freaks going into this, mm-hmm. like athletically going into the season, like number one was Mozzie Smith. And then he was number two, Breezy. Mm-hmm. So it definitely aligns. Yeah, that upside's definitely there. Uh, again, the production's the question with some of his um, with some of his injuries and things of that nature, but can certainly make an impact. Love it. All right, let's let's dive into the nitty gritty of the big board. We got a couple more nuggets from Evan Abrams we can share before we wrap up. But we're going to spend some time on this now. So, again, uh, James Weaver, Sports Info Solutions, very tight, nifty product. If you go onto a, a desktop and you've got, you can go teams in terms of NFL teams. You can look at position groups and over at Sports Info Solutions, they've got scouting write-ups, metrics, leaderboards on every player. So we're going to talk position groups and as a jumping off point, and we're trying to use this, James, to figure out how we can take your big board, for example, and then line it up with the betting market and see where we could find some potential value. Let's discuss the tight end market. Tucker Craft is ranked by Sports Info Solutions as the number three tight end, but more importantly, the 25th overall ranked prospect. He's only behind Mayer and Washington, 13 and 21 respectively in your rankings. Tucker Craft is 100 to one to be the first tight end selected in the draft. He is ranked sixth on FanDuel's odds listings. That's insane. That's crazy based on where you have him and where the betting markets have him. He's ranked higher overall now talking ranked higher than Anthony Richardson, who we've discussed Jordan battle, Osiris Torrance. We'll, we'll go to James first and then we'll let Luke and Travis, you know, throw stuff at you or something virtually. Uh, what makes SIS so high on Tucker craft? Yeah. So also to add into that, Tucker Craft is at the same grading level of both Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington on our end um, in terms of what his overall composite grade was. Okay. And the reason behind that is he's got the skills that correlate to a complete tight end, whether it be catching a football, being a security blanket, finding the open holes in the zone, as well as being a nasty physical run blocker. Um He's coming from South Dakota State, so obviously, you know, you talk about the um, talk about the potential issue of coming from lesser competition. But one of the reasons why he's rated so high is because of his run blocking skills. Um, he's been able to put guys in the ground. Um, he's a relentless effort guy. Um, play in, play out. When he's called upon to make his blocks, he, he finishes off. Um, one of the reasons why um, he's kind of, I mean with the market is what it is, is he's coming off a couple seasons with some injury concerns. Um, this past season, he had missed six games with a high ankle sprain where he had some torn ligaments. So we had to get surgery on that, um, which was kind of an issue. Um, and in 2021, he missed a few games as well with an injury. Um, but yeah, he can be a solid Y and an H tight end. Um, and, and in comparing him to like someone like Dalton Kincaid, who is, I believe the highest or the um, favorite to be the first tight end selected um Kincaid's definitely more of that pass catching role where he has some tools he needs to work on in terms of being a better run blocker um but in terms of our big board and just being that overall complete package that's where kind of Tucker Craft falls into the grading that he did Travis did you brush up on your Jack Rabbit's depth chart before today's show uh this is your test I did. Yeah. Um, Cause when I looked at the tight ends, I knew, I thought I knew like Sam Laporta. I thought that was as deep of a cut as we'd need to go. So I had not heard of Tucker craft when I saw your big board. So I had to go in and do some research. Um, yeah. I, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. I was actually more surprised at Kincaid being fourth on your list. Uh, like you said, considering he's the betting favorite, um, you know, rather than, you know, him being at third, I do love your Darnell Washington ranking because he's been a favorite of mine um he seems like 
we mentioned physical freaks and he's just a monster that just breaks all the charts. So I do like him having second um, ranking there in that. So it does make sense the way you're projecting these players where you're combining their run blocking and their pass catching ability, where some teams might not care about the run blocking and how they use their tight end. So they'll have them higher on their board than, you know, vice versa. So the way you're ranking them, I think makes more sense now. Um, but I can see how a team might say, I don't care if that guy ever blocks for a run in his life, as long as he runs out there and catch the ball, that's what we need in our offense. So that's why he might go a little bit higher. Brenda, Brenda, I will give you one guess. And I am not betting Tucker Craft to be the first tight end taken. But if there is a chance, there's one place that he could go that I don't think anyone would be shocked, even though it is crazy. What, New England? Because he has the same <laughs> yeah. last name as the owner? I didn't even connect those dots, <laughs> but at 14, that would be the first tight end taken. And we've, I mean, we have seen way crazier things. Maybe he will bet it now, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll only share that ticket after it wins. Oh, who, there was a Jack Rabbit drafted recently. I forget who he was. Oh, uh, the running back. You're oh, strong. God, no. Patriots took him. Again, another connection. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a tight end from South Dakota State. It's already one of the top five-ish arguably tight ends in the league right now in Dallas Goddard. That's right. And like my other question is like when you're making, when these rankings get spit out, like when you're seeing them and you're comparing them to, let's say like a Jeremiah ranking or someone that generally we respect craft being that low, let's just say like, have you ever like tinkered them or you're like, this is just too crazy or you just ride out and trust, trust the process hundred percent. We write out the process. Um, I, I know like I'm not too hands-on with the, a lot of these. A lot of these are coming from our ops and scouting department, but from what they view and what they see as what's good and what's bad, it, it's they definitely write out what their process is and, and they stick to it. John Michael Schmitz at 14 overall. He's a center from Minnesota. Now, there's not a huge first center off the board market uh, that I know of that's out there, but he was a name that uh, he has expected draft position for me of around 40. Um, is that just the issue of positional value where the team league's not valuing center that highly, but overall you think he's just going to be a really good value and maybe like the second round or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, from looking at him, he seems to be the complete He looks to be the complete prospect um, at center, both with his physical traits and with um, his size and his intelligence as well, um, being the center position and knowing what to do and knowing the different blocking schemes of that nature. Um, he, he seems to be certainly well packaged as being the best center in the draft. You can go to uh, nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. You can filter however you'd like, and you can go to positions edge rusher for example or just get the entire uh, full top 100 it is right, one of I, the most beautiful platforms i've seen too very tight very tight product it's, it's very good premium it has a premium feel that's a compliment okay and the final nugget from our friend evan drafting the 510 bryce young is a gigantic risk and guys i could not believe this stat when it came across my desk since 2000 only four total qbs have made an active NFL roster at 5'10 or shorter. Only two were drafted. So here's the overall list. Joe Hamilton, seventh rounder in 2000. Woody Dantzler, undrafted in 2002. Quinton Flowers, undrafted in 2018. And our video game study buddy friend, Kyler Murray, the top pick in 2019. Plus, if you throw in Stetson Bennett, this is the first time in 20 years two QBs under six feet are even listed on the NFL draft board. You have to go back to 2003 with Seneca Wallace and Brad Banks. But are we worried about size mattering? Uh, this kind of just comes into like, I think like the number one principle when betting into the draft that like your personal opinion on the matter should not matter. Now that the combine's behind us, which it was definitely at like peak attention in terms of his size. If anything, the only thing that you're seeing on his size matter mattering is someone like Chris Sims or someone like putting out content to defend it not mattering. It definitely has lost momentum in terms of mattering, which goes hand in hand in him being the number one pick favorite at the moment. I think it matters less in today's NFL as well, just because they're protecting the quarterbacks so much more than they used to. I mean, if this was like the 90s, I, I would... I don't think you could touch him because he would just get destroyed. Yeah, it's his weight. It's not his height. Like his weight yeah. is the problem, not his height. Any bets, Luke, Travis, that we would like to recommend or are taking uh, right now? 
one that like has uh, caught my attention was Vikings positional odds wide receiver. Um, it's nothing too fun. It's plus 200, but I don't want to say that the Ravens are out on wide receiver because I don't think Odell solves their problem, but the Ravens were one of the hurdles for a wide receiver to get to the Vikings. So a lot of the Vikings, a lot of the mocks that you see, the wide receivers that would be fits at 24 or Vikings, 23. 23, Addison. Yeah. The Ravens had like mocks have the Ravens like scooping the last one and all of a sudden wide receivers aren't on the board where if Odell and the other moves that they've made has created the Ravens odds to I think corners, the heavy favorite now. Uh, where one of the wide receivers could get to the Vikings. And if I'm making a mock, I'm, I put Addison there every single time. Which wide receiver at two to one, I think is fair. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But a lot of these positional props have kind of gotten drained. But if there are moves like trades, like don't think, just jump. Another thought for for James before we wrap, looking at the big board you've got mapped out, one that jumped out to me too was Josh Downs. I'm actually going to go a little contrarian to the big board here on a matter that uh, something that some of our guys wrote, uh, one of my colleagues wrote an article about, um, and that's the converting the college route tree to the NFL route tree and kind of projecting um, production based on that aspect. Players that are usually drafted in the or receivers usually draft in the first three rounds who are asked to do more and run more unique routes in college actually show less of a performance in the NFL in their first few seasons. So Josh Downs and Zay Flowers both rank at the top of a unique routes standpoint of what they were asked to do in college. What does show success is running close to what is the NFL route tree. And Josh Downs and Zay Flowers both rank at the bottom of that list. Kind of interesting to think about maybe Downs and Flowers not being ready to go right out of college. Downs did rank high in a lot of production metrics. Some of his other stuff, like was he was 30th in targets above expectation, as well as 15th in target share. Zay Flowers is also, you know, he was the one-man band at Boston College. But yeah, th- those are two guys you might see at the end of the first, beginning of the second. But overall, this wide receiver market, I think it's wide open. Um, a guy like Quentin Johnson, if you want a guy that can fly down the field and, you know, go get a ball above a receiver, and you'd rather have that over a slot guy, which can come as a dime a dozen later in the draft, he can certainly fly up boards as well. It's going to be more of a fit aspect to see which one of them goes first. Travis, any bets you recommend giving out now? Yeah, we we talked about the tight end market earlier. Uh, Mayer was the favorite for a long time, and now Kincaid has flipped him. But really, with most of the mocks that I'm seeing, it's still pretty much 50-50 there. But now you can get Mayer at plus 150 at first tight end. Uh, I think if you haven't got into that market, I think that's a good place to start. There really hasn't been any news that I've seen for Kincaid leaping over Mayer. I think at plus 150 there, he's a... Good bet for first tight end off the board. James Weaver, Sports Info Solutions. Thanks so much for stopping by. Your perspective was excellent. I thought you gave us uh, some really good information and uh, look forward to more of your coverage as the draft nears. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, It was definitely a blast and looking forward to cover the rest of the up until the draft time. Travis Reed, Luke Swain, myself, Brendan Glasheen. We'll be back next week, uh, two weeks to go before the draft. So two more episodes before the first round. As a reminder, the NBA playoffs have arrived, so you can check out Action's NBA betting podcast, Buckets, uh, episodes every weekday at the end of the week. We have our UFC betting preview coming as well. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. The Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Thanks for tuning into this latest NFL draft betting update. Myself, Luke, and Travis will talk to you again next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.